0: Listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP one hundred three point five. Tom's guest today is Don Sawyer. Good morning, everybody. Don C Sawyer. C. Don, what does the C stand for? You can't tell us right now. All right, this on the it's on the FBI watch list. We'll have, we'll have to call up the NSA people and find out. I know your file is pretty thick. No, you, you can't be a, well. You could say I, I. know you got to say that for the record. <laughs> Being a sociology professor, I would I would dare dare say that every sociology professor in the United States is, has a thick th- thick file just for a variety of reasons, just teaching that that discipline that some people consider to be subversive and others considered to be educational. So you walk that fine line, and we're going to talk about that fine line of being a, a professor uh, at a university, as well as teaching sociology and what that means in terms of community impact and community kind of responsibility and, 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 and professional accountability. Uh, Don is the C Sawyer. We don't know what C is, but part of my objective in these next 48 minutes, uh, <laughs> Harry is to find, find that out because I'm a man of investigation. We're going to talk about uh, Don's uh, well, his journey and his quest from educational standpoint, from a family standpoint, from a, a really a personal commitment standpoint here in New Haven and even prior to coming to New Haven. Again, Don C. Sawyer. We don't know what C stands for, but we'll give him a name. Uh, Cinque, will you accept Cinque for the moment? Cornbread. Oh, cornbread. All right. So even even more kind of the heritage. <laughs> uh, uh, Don's again the associate or assistant? Uh, assistant. Assistant professor at at. Quinnipiac University in sociology, and we're going to we're going to chat about again. As many of you know, this year twenty seventeen, the focus of the Tom Ficklin show is what is the, what are these phrases social justice, social change mean? Social justice, social change. So I've been blessed to have guests uh, since January. We'll continue to do so throughout the year of folks that are practitioners of this word, social justice, social change, but not just practitioners from a rhetorical standpoint but from an implementation, from a passion, from an, an, an evidence-based kind of activity. So uh, we're going to talk with Don about what it means to be an applied sociologist and using research to connect with the community, uh, hip-hop pedagogy, and connecting with black and Latino males in schools, and also something called going upstate. I'm going to let him explain that a little later. So Don, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning?
1: Can't complain. All Happy right. to be alive, so I can't complain. Happy to be here with you.
0: Uh, all right. I appreciate So, So you're, you're warming up because I was a little late. So I appreciate that kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of kudo. I asked Don if he's going to forgive me and, and there's no excuses for kind of jumping off late. But Harry was keeping things moving here at WNHH. Um, I'm just so pleased to meet you. We initially met. Uh, we laid eyes on one another, as they say in the vernacular. You had recently just uh, arrived, I believe, to New Haven and there was a educational comp lecture at at Quinnipiac when they had just moved to the North Haven campus. So I don't even think the education department had a, an office per se, but there's a gentleman, uh, I think his first name was Edward, uh, who gave a lecture on, on education and urban schools. Uh, Ernest, uh, Ernest er, Morrell. Ernest Morrell. Uh, yeah. Okay, and you had okay. just kind of r- arrived. And uh, then, it, then it was about maybe two years since, since I saw you after that. But, but I knew then to have a, a young man, and I think you had your, your wife with you?
1: Uh, I think she, yeah, I think she was there. I think yeah, you had your Ernest. wife with yeah. you
0: as well. To have a a black couple arrive on the scene here in Greater New Haven, not just to kind of be a a worker and an indentured servant, but also a professor and associate a professor at Quinnipiac. So that that was the first time, and so and I followed your your career and your so so to speak here and your activities. So really glad to kind of have you. But let, let's let's jump let, let's jump right in this theme that you mentioned of um, applied sociologist and bringing your research to connect with. With community I think that means going beyond the the ivy walls but but explain to me a little little more in our, our listeners what that what, what that means
1: All right and so w- one of the ways in which uh, sociologists get critiqued is that we research problems but don't solve problems um and that bothers me um, I believe that sociology in its foundation started actually in the street um, with this idea of using sociological theory to work with community to bring about um social change and so when I talk about um, Applied sociology is not just writing about sociology or teaching sociology on the campus, but it's being engaged in the communities and working together to bring about um, solutions to problems that the community um, identifies.
0: So, so let let us let's, let's drill down on that because I really I've noticed your your Facebook feed and you've had a lot of great commentary there. You've had some some barbershop events broadcasting from our barbershops. People forget before we had BET and Ebony Magazine and Jet, our barbershops were really our broadcast centers. Uh, our our viral community, collective uh, c- communal centers and b- and beauty shops as well. So uh so intent, again, help us to visualize how you see your work uh hitting the road, being part of the community, being integral to our to our to our collective growth and uplift.
1: Well, I mean for for me, part of it, I I grew up in Harlem, um, and so when I was writing, you know, my dissertation and stuff like that, I felt that it would be pointless if I wrote a dissertation or wrote books and articles that if I dropped it on 125th street that my community members wouldn't be able to bring or get anything out of, to me it would be pointless. And so for me getting the PhD was just kind of like a ticket to kind of open up doors, like to bridge gaps. And so the work that I do, like I don't do research on communities. I like to say that I do research for and with communities Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. think that there's a difference. Um, And and so that's what I kind of, I like to do with my research because a lot of times on campuses, you know, we have all of these discussions that we assume that our work is getting out to communities. But to be honest, communities don't read
2: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: academic our academic articles mm-hmm. or our books. And so, to me, it makes more sense to actually go into communities and sure. be, a, be a listener, um, not coming in from a university thinking that I know everything, but really working with community members to see what they deem important, you know, ways that I can be of service. And that's kind of how I come in. Humble. I usually don't even tell people what I do for a living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'll sit mm-hmm. back in the barbershop, listen, yeah. and talk, and then go from there.
0: So, well, you know, help us to visualize because you've had some of the podcasts on uh, bar- bar- the barbershops, and even before that, just from some of your activities, help us to visualize if if we had a camera on Don outside the classroom, what would we be seeing, or even inside the classroom? Just, just help us to kind of see mm-hmm. see what, what's cooking in terms of well, this applied research.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm pretty laid back. I mean, I worked on, on the barbershop stuff with Jay Kemp. You mm-hmm. know, he's here in in New Haven. Um and, you know, I would go and support his work, just go to the barbershop and talk. And the interesting thing is is some of the the brothers in the barbershop started calling me the professor. Mm-hmm. They and they didn't know I was a professor mm-hmm. um for a living. And then it came out later on that I was a professor. And Jay was like, Yeah, they were calling you the professor. Yes. Yeah. And so we would work together um on different projects that he would have. He would have different ideas. Um and I've done some community work in the past and I would help him, you know, hammer some things out and, and do things like that. And so for me, like if I go to the barbershop, I'm having discussions, um, I'm, I'm trying to find ways just to bring, you know, whatever I'm exposed to to mm-hmm. the community, but then also to grow um, from the things that the community have, has to offer as well.
0: So Give us some examples.
1: Like, well, um, so one of the events that we did in the barbershop was kind of looking at hip hop and masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we don't often talk about as a community is is black masculinity and what that means and what we're transferring to our sons and our daughters. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we watched clips of a documentary called Beyond Beats and Rhymes Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that talked about hip hop, hyper masculinity and what that means. And so we had this conversation, you know, it was recorded in the barbershop, you know, to kind of talk about some of the ways in which we've been socialized as men. Um, Some of them are healthy, but a lot of the ways that we've been socialized as men, you know, is toxic um, Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, us. And so we mm -hmm. kind of talked about that in that space because I think it's one thing to talk about it in the classroom. But like you said, before we had all of these other media outlets, the barbershop was that central place. Mm -hmm. And so that's why um, I thought it was important um, to, you know, to work with Jay to bring that, that type of programming to, an actual
0: barbershop. For sure. Uh, Many, many people, well, I shouldn't say many people. It's, I've had, uh, Kai Perry was on the show last, last week and Kai is working on her doctorate and, and obviously Kalilah is a good friend. And I saw uh, 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 David Canton at Kahn College yesterday. And so there, there are folks in the area that are really kind of, kind of committed to things. Your, uh, your, your dissertation, what was your dissertation topic on?
1: It was on the uh, social and academic experiences of black males Um, you know, who are victims of repeated school closure.
0: Indeed. And folks don't realize even after you spend that time, sometimes it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight plus years to to secure the PhD that you still have ongoing research or your second book or revising your, your initial, you know, uh, paper for a book kind of thing. What's cooking from a research standpoint? I mean, when people listen to the show, I always um, like to communicate that there might be folks listening that could, that could help assist sponsor, be a you in the right direction. What, what kind of things are you working on from a, you know, a project standpoint that folks might want to kind of contribute or share or know about?
1: Well, I'm, I'm working on, um, well, two book projects. Like and so my dissertation, I kind of put on the back burner and waited for a while. Um, because the, the young men who I worked with, um, in my dissertation, I started working with them in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, um, they're sophomores in college. Mm-hmm. And so I, my plan is to wait two more years and do a more longitude new. Mm. Um, Approach to that project, and so that's in the works. The other thing that I'm working on, um, I've submitted some proposals to academic presses on the work that I've been do. I was doing at um, Wilbur Cross High School. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you the, worked
0: with the Dreamers and, and Frank Frank Brady, I believe that. Well, I connected with Frank, can, but can, okay.
1: my like my my project was kind of, of separate, but Second, I connected okay. with, with Brady um, okay. Frank Brady there. You know, really good brother. Um, and so, you know, I submitted some initial drafts of a proposal to some academic presses and five of them want me to submit a full proposal because they're interested in, um, the work that was being done there. Um, and in addition to that, I'm doing some work, uh, on reentry. I'm speaking with, uh, black and Latino men who are reentering, um, New Haven, mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. serving time in prison. Sure.
0: So, so if if Cliff Graves is listening from Fresh Start or other folks and want to kind of, or if you connected with them, if they want to provide some some of their client base, if you will, to should they be in touch with you in that regard?
1: Yes, I mean because what what we're trying to do is to actually get the stories of the men um, and and women for that matter mm-hmm. who are reentering society. Because a lot of the data that we have is numerical and statistical. We know you know who offends. We know you know whether or not they recidivate, but we mm-hmm. don't know all of the stories that you know surround the experiences that they're facing For sure. re-entering society. For sure. And so a lot of the people who are you know, writing the legislation on how to work with people who are re-entering society are not necessarily invested in their lives to understand the obstacles and the hardships that you know, these brothers and sisters are facing Indeed. when they're coming back in. And so getting that, that story and that information will help us kind of
0: um, improve what, what we know talk so, so, um, about re-entry. So, so Cliff, if you're listening, reach out. And again, through the, the virtues of WNHH, the, the, these shows are archived. And, and Harry, are we live streaming today? We are live streaming. We're live streaming. Uh, and so Cliff, and through the Fresh Start, they have a, as you know, a monthly reentry entry round table. And Earl Bloodworth also works for the city. And, and he even goes into the, the various institutions prior to the people, to the guys, guys and young ladies coming out, kind of a map out, kind of a. An, a strategic implementation. How do I survive? Plan upon a mm-hmm. uh, release, and this is really, really important. I went to Bucknell University and graduated a few a few decades ago. But from the from the campus, you can see the northeastern penitentiary, and and did some work uh, in in prison. So it's, uh, it's 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 really really important in terms of how some people get captured and and uh, others are remaining free. And we're going to talk about that in a second because you have a, you have a personal kind of project you're working on yes. in that regard. Um, uh, yesterday, I guess for example, the Greater New Haven NAACP showed the, the, uh, Ava DuVernay's film documentary for Netflix, the 13th and really had a tremendous discussion. People were there. I, I was surprised Sunday three o'clock, you know, that's really our church prime time. <laughs> but as I think we all know now that religion and spirit kind of moves 24, seven, So I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people that were out on a Sunday, a beautiful day yesterday at three o'clock to have the discussion on, on 13th. Uh, this is the plug to kind of go on Netflix, uh, to kind of look at it, and uh, Cliff Graves, Kalila, uh, and, and David Canton kind of had a post-screen discussion. R- 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 really important. Um, w- one more te- tease us again because this is really it's, in terms of the, you're doing the, the re-entry. Uh, when you mentioned Wilbur, if these p- p- papers are kind of accepted, will you kind of work uh, ex- exclusively at Wilbur Cross, or will you expand throughout the other New Haven school systems? Or are you going through, or would it be other schools that you would work in as well?
1: Well, I, I worked with um. To, you know, the folks at Wilbur Cross for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And so we took a break this semester okay. um, because of the, um, what do you call it, the advisory period was moving. Mm-hmm. And so the schedules didn't kind of work out. Um, but so I was there at Wilbur Cross for three and a half years. I mean, I've done um, projects and, you know, trainings and presentations with other schools, um, done some work with, um, you know, J Camp down at uh, Career High School. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gone in, um, worked with some folks at Hill house as well. Great. Um, So, um,
0: so the school system they they knows you they know you and they and they can reach out to you. Well,
1: I mean, some people know me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, a-
0: ap- after this show, I mean, <laughs> the world, the world, the universe, and planets, even people on planets that we don't know have names where the planets will know about you. Don't don't underestimate the power, <laughs> the power of the Tom Ficklin show, and right, the power of, right. of NHH, and the power of Don C. Sawyer, Cornbread Sawyer. <laughs> is is that cornbread with with kind of real corn in it, or is it cornbread with a crusty cornbread or or soft cornbread it's, it's or the
1: crusty th- cornbread uh-huh. that you got to heat the the iron skillet in the oven for 10 minutes mm-hmm. with the butter on the inside mm-hmm. before you put the batter in. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. And you got to have a fire, a wood fire stove as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if
0: you have, if one. you have one, yeah. That, yeah. Cause go, go down home.
1: Yeah. The authentic uh, stuff.
0: And you were born in where again?
1: I was born in Harlem
0: in, in Harlem. And you went to, you went to Ithaca college.
1: No, I went to a uh, Hartwick College. H- Hartwick, I'm sorry. In Onondaga, New York. In
0: Onondaga, New York. Yeah, culture then, shock. Yeah. And, and then Syracuse, so you you didn't have my enough grad of it. At Syracuse. Y- you wanted more culture shock.
1: <laughs> well, Syracuse is a bit more diverse than uh-huh. Onondaga, New York. Uh-huh. No,
0: yeah. and, and how how did you make that transition? How did, how did you Onondaga kind of uh, even get on your radar screen as a high school student? Yeah, I don't, I um
1: they I think they had either sent someone to my high school and then there was a student who was there, Molini. Um, hawkins mm-hmm. she she was a student who was at hartwick and she actually lived two streets down from me i mean we had never met but somehow she found out i was from harlem and then like one day she came over on a break with her mother to talk about the school mm-hmm. and i was like wow that's that de- dedication mm-hmm. um and then i went up you know on a on a trip because mm-hmm. i thought i was going to be going to morgan state mm-hmm. university but um you know the the financial aid package couldn't work mm-hmm. for my family um and so the hartwick package was you know, a little bit different. Uh, I enjoyed my visit, and so I ended up going there, yeah. even though I had my mind at the time and my heart set on going to Morgan
0: sure, State. Sure, sure, and I appreciate your sharing that. We have a quite a, a broad readership with the uh, listenership, I should say, with the uh, viewership, for that matter, with the Facebook Live, and we'll promote the show in terms of the archives, and so a lot of high school students uh, uh, li- listen to us, and just to, th- those economic decisions, and for you juniors and seniors that are out there, we know it's really a sometimes a problematic decision-making tree to make, but just keep the faith and keep on pursuing. I'm uh, teaching at, at Gateway Community College kind of part-time lecturer and we have one of the students who's a, a junior at Hamden High. Mm. So the, some of the high schools, can, can, if you're a, you know selective and compete and if competitive, you can take courses at Gateway. And again, so I asked them, I asked this young lady in particular, you know, what is some of the most important decisions she has to make in the future? And college, 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 that's that—that's important. And then the kind of the, the various steps and th- things involved. Um Let's jump for uh, Chris. Chris Emden is a good, is a, we both share his, we, mm-hmm. we both love him. So when you mentioned that you're working on hip hop pedagogy and connecting with black and Latino males in schools, you referenced that a little bit before, but let's kind of unpack that a little more because that's really, really key. And some people think that the hip hop thing is just a, Oh, uh, a trend, a fad. Uh, not really true, true, true. Educational theory, not not John Dewey like. But if you think, if you read John Dewey, in, in terms of what was going on in terms of the American culture at that time and what he wanted to kind of propose, and then you re- if you look at hip hop and don't have your if you can uh, put your value system aside, you can see this is still it's still is in the, the the Dewey approach, It still is in the Du Bois approach. We might call it hip hop, which attracts from a brand standpoint, mm-hmm. but 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 the the, the ethos of, of what the impact of culture that cannot be denied. No. And and, and so
1: one of the things that happens is that if you demonize youth culture, you destroy any possibility of connecting with youth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we use hip hop culture and we talk about hip hop education, one of the things is important for people to understand is that we're not saying that the only way that people or students of color can learn through hip hop. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is if students are not engaged in the school space, we have to find ways in which we can get them engaged. Mm-hmm. And when we're working with youth, not just youth who are attending schools in urban spaces, but hip hop has become the voice of youth around the globe. That's right. So that's the place that we enter in where the youth are situated as experts in that space. And we build from there. And so it's not like, you know, we bring in a Jay-Z song, play it, and all of their problems fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking Mm -hmm. about with hip-hop culture. It's not just, you know, walking around and rapping your lesson in front of the students. That's not what we're talking about with hip-hop culture. But it's the essence of the approach, centering the youth's voice um, in that space and situating them as experts with the ability to understand and articulate their own lived realities I'm in the school space.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember when I was, oh, you're, how old are you roughly? If you don't uh, mind? I'm 40. 40? Okay, yeah, just turned right. 40. All right. Yeah. Well, happy, you know, happy 40th anniversary, yeah. <laughs> whatever, or, or 40, 40, solar returns. Mm-hmm. I can remember, uh, when I was a little younger than you, uh, in grad school, carrying around the, Oh, the the record from the last poets, and you know, at that, at, at that point, I thought that would be the last. I I, li- mm-hmm. I literally believed that w- that that was the, the apex. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the guys are still 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 performing, but yeah, be it hip hop or or what we call spoken word, or, or or last poets, or even going back to Phyllis Wheatley. There's something about our 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 free exp- our desire and expressions, our creative expressions to be free. Even sinkka and and et cetera that that kind of kind of it's worth 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 reflecting on so i really appreciate pre- appreciate your saying that questions that you might get in class that have surprised you you've taught for a few years and you 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 know black white rigor and yellow students different ages different uh different universities you know Syracuse and Quinnipiac. but what's in sociology? sociology seems to me opens up such a possibly a a Pandora's box or a blessed box of kind of uh oh transference and authenticity in terms of what's on the student's mind at that point in time in society. So I'm just curious as, and I'm, I'm not trying to get you to say anything about the plague that's emanating from DC, but just, just in general, what's kind of heavy, what trends or comments, what kind of stands out from a sociological context in terms of the psyche that, that um, the students are expressing? I mean, one
1: of the interesting questions that I get um, or have gotten in the past was around when we talk about police brutality and Mm -hmm. what's been going on in the country. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my classes, I mean, they're predominantly white students in the, in in the Mm -hmm. class. And so depending on the semester, it may be like 90% white students in my class. Mm -hmm. Um, This semester is a little bit more diverse but I remember one student, you know, raised her hand. And we, we talk about in my classrooms having a safe space mm-hmm. and a brave space where mm-hmm. you're able to ask questions. There's no, you know, stupid questions. And even if someone gets offended, we say, ouch, we pause and yes. we unpack it. Yes. Um, yes. And, and understand that, okay, some, you're going to get offended, but is what we do with that. And so one of the students, you know, asked the question, she's like, you know, Professor Sawyer, you know, how come black people don't like police officers? Mm-hmm. You know, and so some of her classmates made faces and stuff like that. And I was like, well, let's unpack this. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, Yo, tell, tell me about your relationship with the police officers. Yes. And so she talked about the fact that, you know, she had police officers who lived in her neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, her, her dad would go over to, you know, police officers yeah. house sure. for the Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. The police officers coached her teens and stuff like that. And so she knew them. And I was like, well, my experience with police officers growing up wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Right. We I grew up doing a height of crack in, in, mm-hmm. in Harlem and so mm-hmm. at any given time you're gonna get thrown against the wall when you're coming from school, your backpacks, you know, opened up, the the police officers weren't our coaches. Um and any time we came into contact with the police officers, it was usually because we were suspected of doing something. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her I was like, How do you think that shapes a person's view of police officers? Yes. And she was like, Oh, so that makes sense. She's like, I see them as friends because they're in my family they don't look at me as a suspect and I was like exactly so it's not that people don't like police officers it's just that the ways in which we have been interacting with them um and the way that we have been treated with by some officers kind of shape our view um and the relationships that we're willing to have with these officers and so that was an opportunity for us to kind of unpack that um in in the classroom space
0: that, that, that that's that that's really really important really important really important um you're listening to the tom ficklin show and don c sawyer cornbread sawyer is, is with us the th- uh, by the way the third Don c. The sawyer third. is yeah. and the, does the cornbread do your like your father and your grandfather also
1: no i mean i used it when people always ask me what the c stood for uh-huh. and i would tell them that it was it was cornbread and so most of the people only found out my middle name when i got my phd when i graduated because i I gave them the card so they can say my full name mm-hmm. on stage to right, pay right. respect to my father and uh-huh. my grandfather. Yes. And so that's when they found out. And so my middle name is Chester, oh, but, Chester. Growin', but growing up, I, I was embarrassed to have that name. And so my name is Donald Chester soy the third. And so when I think about it, that name sounds like money. And so the money got to come at some point in time. I got um, it, You I can't be broke with that name. So uh-huh. I'm just waiting for the money to start coming. I see.
0: In. It, it, it'll come in. Yeah. And Harry, I think we found out the middle name. I, I yeah. believe our inter- <laughs> my method of interrogation. I've watched enough of the, scandal shows and house of cards <laughs> <laughs> and know how to do it you know murder she wrote so, yeah. so i think
1: you <laughs> He said murder she wrote wow I, you took it back Angela I I you know, absolutely
0: and, and even the you know Chandra's kind of re, re, remake mm-hmm. remake of it you're listening to the Tom Ficklin show and Don C Sawyer is with us Don is the assistant professor of sociology at Quinnipiac University if you want to hear Don in person more there's going to be uh it's coming up uh the art spirituality and the pursuit of peace justice on April 6th that's Thursday i believe Correct Thursday um yeah, I think it's, it's Thursday. At, at, at Quinnipiac in Art, Spirituality, and the Pursuit of Peace, Justice. Other panelists are Hanan Hameen. She, we've had her on the Tom Ficklin Show. Uh, Key Joy Lee, uh, is that male or female, do you know? The I'm not sure. Uh, PhD candidate at Yale. And John Lewis, Pastor John Lewis, Life Center Ministries. John's also been on the show. But that's that, unpacked art, spirituality, and the Pursuit of Peace, Justice. What's that all about?
1: And, and so we're... we're I was asked to be um, on this panel as part of an initiative examining the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. And so one of my colleagues, um, Dr. Sasha Turner, who's a historian Mm -hmm. at Winnipeg University, um, has been putting on a number of panels um, that address some of the issues that have been um, key um, in the black liberation, and black power movements and Mm -hmm. things like that in the past, but also, you know, looking at how they intersect and have informed the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we, we have... A number of people who are doing different types of work in the community through art, through spirituality, and using different forms. Um, of engagement to bring about um, peace and, and justice for, mm-hmm. for communities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically that have been marginalized
0: so te- I mean well said well said well said i would expect no less from a phd yeah. <laughs> but, but but tease us a little bit so yeah. I'm, I'm there on thursday i'm gonna hear you say what
1: yeah well i mean i don't know what other people are gonna be That's speaking about I, i'm um, not talking okay. i'm, I'm talking I, to you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking to you i invited um, the best person here No offense to john uh, and honey but talking to you
1: well I'm I mean I'm going to kind of be talking about the ways in which we use art right and so looking at art specifically hip hop mm-hmm. um as a form of youth resistance mm-hmm. um and building with um these students to bring about you know peace and justice in their spaces and whatever that means um for them um because a lot of times when we talk about education uh, when we talk about social justice we don't necessarily talk about the spirituality piece we don't mm-hmm. talk about the arts piece mm-hmm. um and the arts piece has been like unbelievably Um, centered really when you think about like black liberation movements and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And so hip hop in that space, thinking about hip hop as a form of youth resistance. Um, I've been fortunate, um, to be able to travel around the globe and every place that I've gone, every black nation that I've visited, hip hop has been key, um, as a voice, and youth resistance, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I'm currently, and I'll be speaking about this project that I'm working on right now in the Dominican Republic. Um, is going to be the DR, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's called Hip Hop Heels, and, mm-hmm. and so I'm working with a brother over there. He's a Haitian brother who lives in the Dominican Republic and is using hip hop to bring youth from the Dominican Republic and Haiti together. Mm-hmm. And so, for those of you who know the history of the Dominican Republic and Haiti, knows that that relationship has been strained, mm-hmm. you know, historically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so using hip hop to kind of bring. Um, this this group together and so there's a group called the street boys who are there um, and it's made up of two dominicans and two haitians who have come together with hip-hop to start recording and so we're raising money um, to help them build the studio Um, Mm -hmm. it's been up for about what eight days no 10 days now okay and we've raised about 850 dollars and that's only been like maybe so is there, a kick, is there a
0: Kickstarter if people are listening to want to kind of there's find a goal, of what, there's a GoFundMe go page me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I have it on my Facebook page. But okay. if you go to GoFundMe um, and then in the search place, you type in hip hop heels, it'll it'll come up and you'll see a little short video um, of the brother who I met over there talking about the work that we're going to be doing. And that's kind of using again, we're using art um, to bring about peace and justice and and, and to build relationships with. Um, our Haitian and Dominican brothers and sisters.
0: Indeed. So, so uh, Hip Hop Heals and, and Don, Don's Facebook page, Don, Don, Don C Sawyer. Um, t- tell us a little bit more about the, the DR and, and, uh, and Haiti initiative. So it's, you're, you're built, you're, you're building some infrastructure. Is there a, 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 going to be a conference or a workshop or?
1: Um, well, uh, originally, like I, I, this is, this was my what second time going um, for mm-hmm. work. And so what we were doing, we were working with, our Haitian brothers and sisters who live in the Dominican Republic and they live on what are called bates. And these are communities that surround sugar mills and sugar, Mm -hmm. sugar cane plantations. Um, you know, these are some very impoverished places Mm -hmm. um, where, where people are living. And so we've been, you know, kind of going there, working with them to kind of see what types of assistance they needed. Um, Again, not coming in as, as saviors, but coming in and and building relationships. And so, one of the things that kind of came out of this last trip was I met this this young Haitian brother who learned English and everything. And so we started talking and he started talking about music. He started talking about hip hop and what hip hop does in the life of these youth. Mm-hmm. And then he started mm-hmm. to talk about how we can continue to use hip hop to bridge the gap. Um, and so I was like, all right, so let's, let's start developing some stuff. And this is how that, that Trem- project tremendous, started.
0: Tremendous. In, in Brazil, so much great uh, hip hop music is, comes, mm-hmm. comes out of the favelas. And when you mentioned uh, the, the black diaspora, of course, even I've, I've seen the videos of, of, of hip hop in Japan and mm-hmm. and China and mm-hmm. not to mention uh, Norway and, mm-hmm. and, and, and other places, not to mention even the, uh, the former uh, uh, Soviet, you know, the former Soviet Union. So it's really, it's, it's fascinating how our, uh, we talk about jazz being the world music hip-hop is being the real world music uh there's even somebody called the old old blind tom who uh, kind of had a, some notoriety in the 1870s 1890s kind of the the stevie wonder of those days old mm-hmm. check that out old, old blind tom he was a um uh, a savant as well as uh you know we didn't have the word autism back then but we had a black black guy who was blind who kind of was the rage of music back in the 1870s so it's fascinating to see our to, to, to see our growth uh in terms of the drums that first started in, in, in certain gorges and valleys uh, in, in certain continents. Let's, you're, listening, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin show and, and Don C. Sawyer, Cornbread Chester, uh, <laughs> Cornbread, the third is with us, uh, assistant professor at Quinnipiac, um, university. Don, let's, let's, let's jump for a second to, I was really intrigued when you mentioned your, your, are going upstate. I'm from, uh, Pittsburgh as, as I, as I think I might've mentioned and my sister, Barbara Tate, who passed away in, Oh, maybe like 1998 or so, went to high school, went to Peabody High School in Pittsburgh. The president of her class was John Weidman. So John wrote Scholar and, you know, he's written about his father, his, his brother and, and, and I'm, I'm sure that's someone that you admire. So when you mentioned your, your upstate project, I was particularly intrigued to kind of hear more about that.
1: Yeah. And so um, the project right now is being called going upstate. Um, and so going upstate, meant a lot of different things growing up in New York city, right? And somebody got sent up state, unfortunately for a lot of my friends, it meant that they went up to go to to prison again, growing up during the height of the crack cocaine epidemic, you know, crack kind of destroyed communities um, in a number of ways. And one of the ways in which it destroyed communities was, you know, with the rise and the increase of the prison industrial complex and having people get into the system. And so one of my cousins, um, you know, unfortunately, was locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, he got locked up. Um, he's four years older than me. And, you know, we both grew up in the same projects. Um, and so he went upstate to go to prison and I went upstate to go to college. Mm. Um, and he served 25 years. And so he got out about three years ago. Um, and so one of the projects is what we're trying to work on is kind of stel- telling the story of what happened, you know, over those 25 years as he was incarcerated, um, as I was on the outside and what mm-hmm. that means in mm-hmm. the greater context of, you know, urban policy, you know, the prison industrial complex, mm-hmm. um, criminal justice, mm-hmm. um, and what, what it, what it did to families. Um, and, and we hope to give, you know, some talks right now. He's off of probation off of parole. He's free to travel now. Um, that just came through about a month or so ago. And so mm-hmm. now we're going to be kind of ramping it up where he can come and, and give and give talks. I mean, it's easy for me to give, you know, talks. People always hear from professors all the time, but you know, this is part of his story as well and so I want him to be out there, you know, giving talks sure, about his sure, experiences. Sure, and stuff.
0: Sure. So so stay tuned. I mean we'll hear more about it either for your Facebook page or your yeah. inbox being. Yeah, we're we'll gonna we're gonna be and,
1: you know, like we'll have a website, um, you know, I told some people about the project, um, and so we're gonna be looking at it'll be like a book, a website, a documentary, and we hope to be, you know, go around and giving um talk to different places, sure. whether it's at re-entry centers, high schools, universities, to kind of talk about that story.
0: See, that's that's fantastic. So if there's a possibility that he might even be in the area at some point with you? Yeah,
1: now now that he doesn't have travel restrictions, mm-hmm. he'll be, I mean, I've been trying to bring him right. um, to Connecticut for a minute, but he had travel restrictions, well, so he couldn't leave the city. Here,
0: here's the official invitation for you guys to come back. And as you see, we have two, <laughs> with space, space for two. I mean, there's always room in the end on on Monday morning for the Tom Ficklin show. So I'd love to have you guys back, back, back in the show. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, and chat that would, that would be incredible. Uh, it's so important for us to see that we're all citizens on the planet. And these, these stigmas and caricatur- caricatures and sometimes just roll of the dice that kind of, uh, the, 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 the net, the, the criminal justice, uh, apprehension net. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, any of us, it, it's a, sometimes just a matter of probabilities and yeah. or, or grace of God, if you will, or 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 yeah. or, or, or grace. So I really appreciate your your, your sharing that. V- very important. We're, I think. Go ahead. I mean, mm-hmm, just, I mean, because
1: I think that that's important because a lot of times, specifically, I mean, I teach a lot of students who are interested in law enforcement, right? Because mm-hmm. our department is sociology, criminal justice, and anthropology, and so you have students who are like, "Yeah, I'm going to be in law enforcement because I want to catch the bad guys." Mm-hmm. Or, And, you know, a lot of these students don't come from spaces where the quote unquote bad guys live for them. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for people to say, oh, Don, you've done well. Oh, and your cousin, he went to prison. But we grew up in the same project, Mm -hmm. same family. And one decision or one opportunity, our roles could have been switched. Mm -hmm. You know, he could have been the person um, who went to grad school and I could have been the person was in, in prison. And so there's no real difference between us. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like it's a roll of the dice. It's an opportunity. It's a one bad decision or one time being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And, and your life has changed forever.
0: As you, re, and I appreciate your sharing that as you reflect on, um, again, you're at Hartwick and, and Syracuse, but psychology, sociology, that's been in your, your academic blood for a while. Mm-hmm. That's been, I mean, that's, do you remember what kind of, what, what kind of triggered that?
1: Um, well, originally I I went to school to be pre med, mm-hmm. um, and so I was a nursing major. Um, and then when I was in the army, I was a medic. But then I came when I came back, I um, decided to go with psychology as as my my major. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. Um, and the interesting thing about being a sociology professor in my first sociology course in college, I got a D plus. Um, and so there was no way in hell I saw myself being a sociology <laughs> professor. And so now that I'm a sociology professor, uh-huh. I like, okay, that's weird. Yes. You know, I got a D plus in control yes. to social. Um, and now I'm a sociology professor. So I always tell my students, you know, your your current situation doesn't necessarily dictate where you're going to end really up. Really good, um, good, good. And so, I mean, I was always interested in working with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's kind of how I started to do it. You know, working with people, doing community service, um, and then when I got to graduate school, I met a professor, one of my um, academic mentors, Dr. Adam Banks. Mm-hmm. He's out of Stanford now, mm-hmm. um, and he used to do community classes where, so any class that he taught on campus, he would teach the same class in the community great and it would be a community spot whether it was at a a bar that would let us use it on a non-busy night Mm -hmm. and he would teach the course in the community with free books and stuff like that and so he we created this big this big community around these classes and so seeing stuff like that um and dr marcel haddix who's at syracuse who's doing stuff you know at libraries Mm -hmm. and and, and stuff Mm -hmm. like that within Mm -hmm. the community so seeing that as i was you know beginning my graduate career it let me know that the work that I wanted to do made sense. Boy, that I could those, are, do those, are, those are good models, um, good models, yeah, um, good models. So I'm thankful to them.
0: Again, Don, I'm going, uh, cornbread Chester. <laughs> so you're the third. I'm going to give you the last word. Again, this is a Tom Ficklin show and really appreciate everybody listening and things will be archived. And Harry does a tremendous job of putting, putting things on SoundCloud and the new Haven Independent site and, and the Facebook live. But, um, ter- terms, terms as we kind of take the a deep breath and kind of give you the, give you the last word, any, Last thoughts. I mean, you're working on projects. People might want to support that. People might want to kind of buy your book when it comes out, how they can reach you. Just what's on what's on your mind as we kind of conclude?
1: I mean, as we conclude, um, I think one of the things I I, I would tell people, I don't know why this just came into my head, but do what you love Mm -hmm. and the money will come. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think certain times we get caught up in I got to make money, I got to make money. Um, and we don't necessarily think about what we love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I'll meet with students like, "What are you majoring in?" And they tell me this, and I'm like, "What are you passionate about?" And they tell me that. Mm-hmm. And usually, the this and the that don't match up. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. you know, and so I, I think that if we do what we love, um, we, we're, we're more happy, and, and, and doors open up, and the money will come. Um, and so that's kind of what has kind of guided my career. Um, right. And another quote that I will always hear was, "What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail?" Um, and so that's what I, I tell myself that I'm doing, I'm doing what I would want to do if I had no fear. And mm, so mm, working mm. in the community and stuff like that, that's the stuff that keeps me grounded. That's the stuff that keeps me, me sane. Um, and it's the stuff that also informs my teaching. Um, perfect, so. perfect, perfect, perfect,
0: perfect pedagogy, par excellence, Don, Don, thank you so much. And again, the invitation to come back either yourself or with your, with, with your, your family relatives and. You know, bring, bring, he, he probably has some, some Quinny Piac colleagues as well to kind Absolutely. Of, so we can, we can make this continue to happen. Just really appreciate everybody listening to the Tom Ficklin show. See you next, next Monday. Harry, thanks so much. And Paul, again, I always like to mention Paul Bass's name, kind of the, the father figure of uh, what this is all about. And as we go out, this is, you hear Zach Carlin, one of my students at Gateway and an aspiring hip hop artist who really is involved with the, understands the educational impact of, of music and the spirit. Thanks so much. Baby,
2: you be running in my mind, really. When you walking by me, I just want a replay You taking me over The way you looking over my shoulder So baby, come ride with the soldier Nah, nah, nah I'ma take it down i